I have come to save you. I have come to save you. Well, it's the new year, and a new year represents a fresh start, a new beginning. And I know you might be dragging some old stuff behind you, but uh, the truth is, is that when we enter a new year, it ought to be with high hopes and expectations. If things hadn't gone the right way last year, they're going to turn around this year. If uh, they did go well, we're trusting that they'll go even better in the coming year. And uh, there are a lot of people that are making uh, New Year resolutions or commitments that are going to inspire personal or even professional growth in their lives. I mean, that's just kind of something that happens in the new year. Some of those resolutions are um, downsizing self, uh, maybe to lose a little weight or get into shape. Like I said, downsizing self. But anyway, um, there's, you guys are sleeping. Okay, so anyway, so I... Um, I enter the new year with great expectation, and, and, and I, I really do, expectancy, and I'm, I'm excited about what God has in store for myself, my family, for the church. I, I look forward to that. Uh, we don't know what tomorrow holds, and uh, I was doing a funeral just, uh, let's see, yes, was it yesterday? No, Friday. did a funeral Friday, and, um, uh, you know, just uh, a young 37-year-old. And, um, you know, nobody that you would know, just somebody that needed someone to help them out. And, um, you know, I use that passage, you know. Um, your life is but a vapor. 
that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. And, you know, we just don't, we don't know, do we? And um, it's so important that we take the time to settle things as necessary and needful so that we have the future sewed up, ready to go. As I look at the new year, however, I, you know, I, I'm a very positive person as a whole. However, I, every once in a while I can find myself uh, kind of getting kind of, if you would, down, if you will, or somewhat critical. But I must admit, as I enter this new year, I am grieved uh, to see the sad state of our leaders today. Um, men and women who are leading others in a path of destruction. I mean, really, it's, it's really sad. This poor leadership isn't limited to our government, by the way. It's found in every corner of our culture and every sector of our society. Our schools and institutions of so-called higher learning lead the way. They're indoctrinating our youngsters left and right. It's par for the course, if you will. And their indoctrination um, makes them targets, our young people, that is, for this anti-God agenda. Our children are number one on the hit list. And then you and I are on that list as well, but by desensitization. They want to desensitize us to what's really going on around us. You know, it's, um, as I would put it, it's truly the blind leading the blind today. Take your Bible, if you would, look over to the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verse 14. I just want to share my heart a little bit today. I had a message ready to go. I worked on it for probably two and a half hours uh, minimum, uh, just in one location that was on yesterday. I, I went to Crazy Chicken in Hartville and uh, worked for about two and a half hours there. I, I honestly don't even know how that place stays open. I was there for two and a half hours and saw one other person come in the doors. I heard the girl say, we've had 27 orders all day. And that was at 3 o'clock when I left. Now again, I know it was uh, kind of leading up to a holiday, so maybe they do better than that. But I, 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 the chicken was pretty good. I, I thought it was really good, actually. I thought the chicken was really good. It took about 20 minutes to get it. They forgot my order. That's no lie. The girl yelled at me from, I sit at the very end of the, 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 the seating area, and she was back there. She said, did they ever get your food yet? And I said, but I'll tell you what, it was worth the wait. It was good. It was good. I'm not joking. It was good. You might want to try it if you got the time. So anyway, <laughs> look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 14. I had a message ready to go, but I'll be honest with you, I just want to share my heart a little bit today. And I don't want to get in trouble, and I don't want to uh, grieve the Spirit in any way. I, I do want to share, however, uh, some, just a very simple thought, you know, overall, and, and, and uh, ask a real simple question this morning for each and every one of us uh, before we leave. Matthew chapter 15, verse 14, let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking, and let me say, I think it's pretty plain what he's getting at. I don't think you have to have a different version of the Bible to understand this. I think it's pretty obvious, whatever language it would be written in, the blind leaders of the blind, and they are blind leading the blind, and they both fall into a ditch. You can let that, those blind lead the blind, and they're going to end up in a ditch. A ditch isn't the kind of place we want to be in. Back in the, uh, the, the late 70s, maybe the early, it was the late 70s, I remember one night getting awakened and <clears throat> my dad had come home. He worked the midnight shift and uh, it, was excuse me, it was still dark out and he had gotten stuck in the snow. And I still remember him gathering us all up and saying, all right, let's go, boys. We got to dig this car out. 
I was probably about 10 or 11 years old. He said he should have let you sleep. He wanted to teach us character. Yeah, he wanted us to learn a principle <clears throat> that we're a family and families stick together and families work together and everybody has a part and a role to play. Unlike today, it seems that I, I was listening to the one young man the other day when I was in the restaurant there just the other day sitting, and he said to me, he said, you know, he said, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm getting off work today, and you know what I'm going to do? I said, what? He said, I'm going to go home and sleep. I said, go home and sleep? He said, yeah. He, I said, but it's New Year's, man. You're going to sleep through New Year's, man? You're going to go home and lay down in the afternoon and sleep through New Year's? He said, oh, no, I want to be up for New Year's, but I got to sleep because I was up till 4.30 playing video games with my friends, and then I got watching some TV and didn't go to bed till almost 7 o'clock, and I had to be here by 8.30. <laughs> I said, no wonder you forgot my order. <clears throat> Now listen, I mean, nice enough guy, don't misunderstand me, but who in the world lets their kid play video games till 4.30 in the morning? I hope it ain't a Christian family. You say, that's none of your business. I'm making it my business. I'm concerned about our future. I'm concerned about our country. And you know what? It begins with our young people. They're being indoctrinated. They're not being in instructed. They're not being educated they're being indoctrinated with what and and oh my it's unbelievable it's the blind leading the blind somebody's got to wear the big boy pants you know somebody's got to take a stand in the home somebody's got to say enough's enough we don't do that here you got a life to lead you got other family members to interact with. You don't get to sleep all day while we work. You got a job to do too. He said, that doesn't, that don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And that's the problem. In this particular case, the religious leaders of that day were convinced that their direction was good, that they were on the right course. They even thought that they were doing the will of God. But Jesus points out that they were teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, he said. They were teaching for doctrines or truth or right, the doctrines of men. They had abandoned the word of God. They had disregarded the Messiah. And they're saying, listen, we know what we're talking about. We're on the right track. And all along, they were the blind leading the blind. And Jesus is pointing out, it's not going to end well when the blind lead the blind. It doesn't matter if it's our government leading our nation. It doesn't matter if it's a principal leading a school or a school board leading the school system. It doesn't matter if it's a dad in a home or a mom in a home. If the blind are leading the blind, it's going to end up in a ditch. The scale is has nothing to do with where it ends up. It's small or big, whatever. But when the blind lead the blind, he says, well, they're going to lead them right into a ditch. They're going to fall right into a ditch. So they weren't in any position whatsoever to lead, seeing they were going the wrong direction. Proverbs 14, 12 it says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It's saying that there's a way that seems right to you and I as human beings in our flesh, and we believe that we're heading the right direction. And he says, listen, the bottom line is, is we're going in that direction, believing we're right, believing we've got the, everything figured out, and it leads to a place called death. You know what that, that is? That's exactly what Jesus was talking about. The blind leading the blind. It's going to end up in a ditch. You're going to fall into a ditch. Well, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing, and I know why. Really? Does it have anything to do with God and His Word? I mean, have you consulted the creator of the universe as far as your direction is concerned, as far as your future is concerned? 
Because if not, then don't believe for a moment that it's his way that you're following. It's the blind leading the blind now. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Oh, I see my path plain and clear. Well, you better make sure it's his light that's shining and not your own because his is the only one that leads the right direction. He'll reveal the pitfalls in life like nobody else's business. I am appalled to see those who can't even define what a man or woman is indoctrinating our children and promoting death today. Bothers me. I hope it bothers you. I'm concerned that today in the church across America that we have been so desensitized to some of this that we're willing to buy. It's just like with abortion so long ago. I still remember when they were killing babies in nine months along and even uh, talking about in Virginia where they were uh, having children and laying them on a counter and then making a decision as to whether they should live or die. And then all of a sudden, everybody got in an uproar. Oh, oh, I think that after 16 weeks, it's impossible. That child is a child after 16 weeks. Let's pass a bill. I think it's a child, according to the Bible, at conception. And Christians were like, yay, what a victory. Woohoo! Whoa, how are we doing in America? Oh, we're getting morally sound now. Man, we, we even overturned Roe Wade. But yet abortion, there were more abortions after Roe Wade than there were before, the month after. I don't know about you, but I'm appalled to hear our politi- political leaders promote alternative lifestyles and gender confusion and pre-adolescent mutilation. kind of angers me with a righteous anger. Well, everybody has a right to love. Not at the expense of murdering and killing and destroying futures. Well, the reason that people are killing themselves is because you're not accepting. No, because you're trying to go against nature, against God. Wow, this is an encouraging message on the first service of the year. I want you to understand, I I am excited about the new year, and I want God to do a miracle in our church and in my life, my family, but I want him to do a work in our country. And can I tell you that sooner or later, Christians better be willing to take a stand on these issues. We have been silent. We're afraid to say anything for fear of being ostracized, cut off, or even seeming to be really angry people. We're just Karens. Whatever that's supposed to mean. You know, we're, allowed to, we're not allowed to offend anybody, but if your name's Karen today and you're a woman, too bad. <laughs> to watch the warp speed by which they've promoted such death and destruction is alarming to me. God's word has been discarded. Man's ways have been embraced. In a concerted effort to free themselves, all in an effort to free themselves from the authority of God. Nobody wants to, don't, we don't want to listen to God today, right? Well, no one ever has really in our flesh, nobody, including you and me. I mean, we're all the same here, but there seems to be going out of check now. It's just getting worse. The devil's ramping everything up. Look in Psalm chapter 2. You say, this is what you got at that crazy chicken restaurant? I don't think I'm going there. I didn't get it at crazy chicken. I got it this morning when I was trying to fix the crazy chicken message. So don't blame crazy chicken. It was good. If anything, I'd have been a lot more mellow. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. Their sauce ain't bad, by the way. Pretty good. I've got to throw a few good ones in there, because if somebody's listening, they might go there and tell the owner I didn't agree. I liked it. I liked it. Going on record. 
Why do the heathen rage? Chapter 2, verse 1 of Psalm. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? We think about a vain thing, an empty thing, something that has no substance. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. And they, 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 they recognize and realize that there's a real oppression from the heavenlies. Why is it that Christianity is so hated and despised even in our own country now? I'll tell you why. Because it's a, it's a, it holds back the evil. Mankind wants to do what they want to do. Their agenda is not godly, it is ungodly, and as a result, they be, we've become more of the enemy than ever because the light shines brighter in the darkness. But if a, if a Christian, as you and I as believers, start to allow, uh, put a bushel over and start to hide that light, what's going to hold back the evil? You say, but I don't want to incur all of that wrath. I just want to deal with my life and live a good life and enjoy life and I don't want any problems. I don't want nobody mad at me. I'm glad Jesus didn't feel that way. And I'm glad that other people through history haven't felt that way because today we have the gospel and I'm on my way to heaven because somebody said, I don't care what anybody else thinks, I'm going to obey God rather than men. We learned about that, remember, in our lesson this morning in the book of Acts chapter 4. And we saw it in chapter 5. Again, although we learn that God will prevail, no doubt about that, there is a temptation to be short-sighted and somehow become discouraged to the point of compromising in our lives. Look at, if you would, in Psalm chapter 73. The psalmist is just where we are all the time. I mean, he, the, the, these were men. These were women that lived in the Bible days. They, they addressed and dealt with, addressed the same issues we do. They had to fight the same battles we fight. Really, there's nothing new under the sun. Solomon says that in the book of Ecclesiastes. Sometimes we get the idea that there is. There isn't. Oh, yeah, but they never had what we have to deal with. They've never had to, yeah, talk about Sodom and Gomorrah for a minute. No, they never dealt with what we're dealing with. Oh, that's right. Angels come down from heaven and they want to know them. Oh, they don't know what it is to have rabid sexual immorality. Come on, folks. This is nothing new what we're dealing with here. It's always been the age-old battle between God and Satan. We're just caught in the middle of it all. The question is, what side are we going to land on? Look at Psalm chapter 73, the psalmist. I, I know this is heavy stuff today. I get it. I wanted to kick the year off right, though. I really want us to think about this question. What direction will you travel in 2023? What direction will you travel in 2023? Psalm 73, verse 1. The psalmist, I'm telling you, he's struggling right now. He's having a hard time as he's looking around him in the culture in which he lived. Truly God is good to Israel, verse 1. Even to such as are of a clean heart. That's interesting, isn't it? Well, God's good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Why do you have to say even? That would be a given, right? If God's good to Israel, then especially to such as are of a clean heart. Even to. But as for me, he says. And really, that's all that really matters in life, isn't it? It's you. Now listen to what I'm saying now, and I'm not using that in a negative way right now. I'm saying that when it's all said and done, what matters is what you do, how you feel about the situation, what your position is on the Word of God and the things of Christ. You say, yeah, but so-and-so, who cares about so-and-so in the end? It's really about your decisions. Because you won't answer for them and they won't answer for you. You've got to answer for yourself. Look what he says in Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. 
For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Again, this is nothing new. We look around us and we see evildoers prospering and we start to question, if God's really in heaven, then how's come they're prospering and I'm not because I'm doing things God's way? And you say, I'd never think that. Oh, then you're better than the psalmist. And he was a man after God's own heart. Oh, wait a second. That wasn't David, though, was it? See, there were other people, too, that wrote psalms. They were pretty godly also, though. I know one thing. I certainly won't be, have a number one on my forehead when I get to heaven being the most godly man that ever lived. You know, God will never use me to write one paragraph of the Word of God. But he did this guy. Because he represents every last one of us today. And God wanted you to know how it feels sometimes that when you feel the way you feel, you aren't the first one, nor will you be the last one. But hold on. He's saying before you come to a conclusion, however, you need to see the conclusion of the matter, the whole matter. And this particular psalmist drops down to verse 17 and says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. Before I got into God's word, before I really saw how God, uh, what God was doing and how he was working, before I could see the big picture and all I could focus on was the immediate, man, I was ready to fall on my face. I was ready to throw in the towel. I was ready to give up because I thought to myself, if this is what the Christian life is really like and this is the kind of trouble I have to deal with and endure, then man, it'd be easier just to be wicked and prosper in the midst of it all anyway. Because obviously God must be asleep to let them do what he's doing. To do what they're doing. But Ecclesiastes 7, 8. Some of you may know the verse. It's been one of those verses we've been working on, right? Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Now, if I miss that one on the test, I said it, that's right, I memorized it. (laughs) Isn't that something? That fits perfect there. Better's the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. See, on the surface, it appears that the world is gaining ground fast, but don't be fooled, he's saying. They're going the wrong direction. They're going the wrong direction. You know, while singing in a, I was singing in a traveling group years ago, and we uh, sang along the northeastern part of the United States, and we were headed to West Virginia to, to sing in a church down there. And um, uh, we were headed down Route 77, that direction. We'd been driving for about three hours, I would say, and we're going into the heart of West Virginia. And man, there's some windy hills and all kind of roads back through there. It's crazy. And uh, um, um, I, I, I still remember I've taken a few trips with, a, uh, I, uh, with some other folks, and man, I mean, some of the places back there are crazy. But nonetheless, we, had, we were going along real well there. I mean, we hadn't run into any traffic. We hadn't slowed for any reason. We were ahead of schedule. I mean, it was like, we are going to get there. This is like wonderful. I still remember when the driver turned around and said, hey, we're lost. <laughs> what? We're lost. And then he said something that I have never forgotten. I was 18 years old. I have never forgotten this. He said, we may be lost, but we're making good time. (laughs) And that stuck with me. I was like, yeah, but it's kind of stupid. And then I realized, he's joking. (laughs) I mean, we're, I mean, we're lost, but we're making good time. You know that the world's making good time, but they're headed in the wrong direction. That's exactly what's going on in the world. They're moving at light speed, it seems. It seems as though they're really making, taking ground. They're moving in the right direction. They're going to get there fast, but they're going the wrong direction. The question is, where are they headed? Where are they headed? What direction are they traveling? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle 
than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Boy, the devil's subtle. Do you know what tactic he uses often? He uses distraction. He distracts mankind. He distracts mankind from the right road. He keeps the person, he keeps mankind from seeing the real picture. It's it's like we're so distracted with all the lights and the glitter of the world and all the things going on around us that we fail to see where we're even headed. Sherry and I were at a National Sword of the Lord conference a number of years ago in Walkertown, North Carolina, and that was where Dr. Bobby Robertson was pastoring at the time before he passed on to heaven. Some of you might remember Brother Robertson. We had had him speak a number of years ago on a a number of occasions, and he was just an amazing elderly man who wasn't dynamic. He didn't do cartwheels or anything like that. But boy, I'll tell you what, he had a memory like a steel trap. He would tell story after story after story about the early days in the ministry and about some of the greatest preachers of all time, at least in our nation. Man, it was, it was riveting to listen to him. I loved it. But we went down there for the National Sword of the Lord Conference, and on the way back, we, I don't know, must have been talking or taking it easy one or the other, but somehow, somehow, we missed our exit. It's kind of like we're going down the main highway, and you had to take an exit to stay on 77 at that time, and we just kind of kept on going. We had gotten distracted somehow. And we didn't see it. It said exit, and I believe it was 72 at the time, and it took you north on 77, but we just kept going straight. And everything looked the same to us. Everything just appeared to be just perfect along the way. Again, we were lost, but we were making good time. Had no idea that we were lost till we ended up in the wrong state. Welcome to what? Welcome to what? No, somebody's messing with us. Somebody done switched the sign on us. Them kids, man, they must have had a good time last night. Nobody switched the sign. It was just we went the wrong way and ended up in the wrong state. We'd gotten distracted. You know that distracted driving is costly? But distracted living can be deadly. Be sure that your course isn't being set by the world. Be sure your course isn't being set by the world. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to spend a few minutes in 1 Corinthians. Just a couple. We're just going to read some verses, that's all. We are moving to an end rapidly. It's amazing how quickly we're moving today. We're making good time, but we are on track. Not lost yet. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. I like what the Apostle Paul says to the church at Corinth. He says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Don't let it stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You say, I say, what's your position on this subject? What's your position on this situation? Don't, don't let that... Don't stand in the wisdom of men. Don't let your position be rooted in the wisdom of men. Make sure it's in the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.20. This is a familiar passage. We're going to look at verses 20 and 21. Where is the wise? Where's the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Notice again, it says, for after that, the wisdom of God, uh, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. There's two different wisdoms here. There's man's wisdom, there's God's wisdom. We know that over in the book of, of, uh, of, of James, chapter 1, verse 5, it's one of our memory verses this year as well. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Why would you ask God? Because God is wisdom and God has wisdom. You can go to the world for wisdom or you can go to God for wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him, let him go to God. Ask God. Get, get that taken care of. He is excited about giving that wisdom to you. 
What's he say in 1 Corinthians 2, 6 now? I know I skipped back over again, but I want to read this. It says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. Huh. So you mean the world's wisdom comes to naught, to nothing? Yeah, that's exactly what he's trying to get us to understand. He's saying, as a believer, don't let your wisdom stand in the world's wisdom. Don't allow yourself to be rooted in their kind of belief system. Don't allow yourself to stand firm on what they say and what they do and how they do things because it's going to end bad. You're going to be going the wrong direction, and guess what? You're going to fall into a ditch because it's the blind leading the blind. In 1 Corinthians 3.19, the Bible says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Hey, what do you think about our position in the world? What do you think about this issue? What do you think about that? Pretty good idea, huh? No, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. Huh? You can't say that. That's misinformation. That's a conspiracy theory. I'm going to kick you off Twitter for saying that's not true. You're going to kick me off Twitter now, but off Facebook or whatever you want. But let me tell you something. God says the wisdom of this world is foolishness to him. Well, what should it be to us then? If it's foolishness to our God and we are his people, we're his children... What should it be to us? You might not have the guts to say it to someone, but you better have the guts to believe it. So you know what? I don't agree with that. And at least in your own home, please. Yeah, go ahead. That's right. Throw all your phones and stuff under a big pillow and blanket. And then gather your family in another room where nobody can hear you and say, You know what they're teaching about that? It's utter foolishness. It's foolishness. Don't say it too loud. But you better tell your kids it's foolishness or they'll believe you agree with it. That's why God's telling us that the wisdom of this world's foolishness because he doesn't want us to believe somehow he agrees with it. See, we raise our family the way God raises us. So what direction are you traveling? Let me ask you as we prepare to close here, are you headed closer to Christ or further away this year? You know, are you poised to draw nigh to God or are you pointed in the wrong direction? James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. But notice he goes on to say this, and this is important. Turn there, would you? James 4 8. This is a really powerful passage. And this is the part we don't really speak much about. You know, it doesn't really hurt to say, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. And we give nice illustrations. You know, if I draw nigh to God and and then people like to show God taking a step toward them. And then you draw and God takes a step toward them. And before you know it, you guys are in perfect fellowship and all. That's always, that's fun. And, you know, and I've got a little different view of all that. And it's a little different than most. But but I believe God's not going to have to move for anybody. The the real responsibility to get close to God's on me, not him. So every time I take a step, guess what? I get closer to God. He gets closer to me. But nonetheless, whether you believe the one way or the other doesn't matter. But here's the part we always like to leave out. I don't know if it's just convenient or if it's just inconvenient. I don't know which it is. But notice what he says. Draw nigh to God, James 4 eight, and he will draw nigh to you, period. Then he goes on to say, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Hmm. How many times have we quoted that verse without ever saying those port, that part? We, we like to, you know, draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you, and we stop there. <clears throat> How does that happen? You better be pointed in the right direction then. Do you know what defines or how you know whether or not you're pointed in the right direction? Whether or not you're really going to draw every time you take a step, whether it's getting you closer or further away from God? Yeah, I know, because I feel like I'm getting closer to God. That is not how you determine it. You have to look at the rest of the passage. Have you cleansed your hands? 
Are you in a process of cleaning up your life? Are you purifying your heart, what you're allowing in it and, and what you're allowing to rest in it and what you're thinking on and dwelling on? What is it? What, what the, what, what's the litmus test to drawing nigh to God? It's, we, don't, we, don't never, we never draw nigh to God unless we're discarding something else. What have you gotten rid of in your life that has separated you from God in a practical sense? We know that according to the blood of Christ and salvation, we are made one with the Lord. We understand we're baptized into the body of Christ. I get all that. I'm talking about in a practical way as we draw nigh to the Lord. What practical evidence do you have of that? What can you point to that you've gotten rid of that would mean that the step you took without that obviously puts you closer to God? How, can, you, can you point to it? And, and, you know, we live in an abstract world in our minds. Everything's abstract. It's, it's a feel-good world. It's not a practical world anymore. It used to be men that beat their wives were bad people. Now they've just gone off course. They're not really bad because inside all of us there's good. Isn't that how it goes today? But let me tell you something. In God's economy, they're still right and wrong. They're still bad and good. And we have to understand, what does it mean? Well, let's define it the way he does. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. You're never going to draw nigh to God as long as we continue to walk in filthiness. So as believers, we have a very clear vision of what is right and what is wrong in the Word of God and where we ought to be going with our life. He makes it very clear to us. Our purpose and our passion should be very clear, and it is very clear. Turn to Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Two verses and an illustration, and we're out. Yep. I know, we can only take so much of this. Even I'm getting a little nervous. Revelation 4.11 Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. I don't think anybody in the room would, would, would argue that, that that's not true. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. So, so we're okay with it all the way up till that last phrase. There, you're worthy, O oh Lord, to receive glory and honor and power because you did. You created all things. But that last part's a little funky there for me. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. You wait a second. So everything you created was for your pleasure? Well, what about mine? Don't I have any say in it? Don't I have a right to dispute your your? purpose then and your plan for my life and really what he's saying is is that i created you for my pleasure that's why you were created all together you are here for me that seems so selfish god if you really love me let me go uh-uh somebody that's not how it works our purpose as believers is to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ and to bring pleasure to Him. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul kind of gets more practical with the believer when he makes the statement, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God saved me with a purpose and a plan for my life, and I'm going to fulfill it at all costs. I'm not only going to just be simply saved, I'm going to be serving. I'm going to honor Christ with my life and my lips. I'm going to do things God's way. I'm going to bring glory to Him, and I'm going to bring joy to Him and blessing. I'm going to make Him say, boy, do I, I am so grateful that I put you on planet Earth. What direction are you traveling? Are you headed closer to Christ or further away? In 2023, you make that decision. Now, it's obvious the world is not getting closer to Christ. So the question is, 
Not what are they doing. The question is, what direction are you going to travel? What direction are you going to travel? Let me ask this question too. Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't even know if you're headed to heaven or hell today. Which it'll be. You better figure out what direction you're headed. You know one of the saddest things that I do is to do funerals of the lost. You know what's more sad than anything else? They all think they're in heaven. You know what's sad? As Christians, most of the time, we let them believe it because we don't want to upset them. So we'll let them die and go to hell because we don't want to upset them in this life. You say, that's pretty hard. I know, but it's true, isn't it? I mean, we in this building are Christians. We understand that truth reigns supreme. We don't cover truth in order to promote lies like the world does. We expose lies and we elevate truth. So we ought to be saying, you know what? I don't like what I just heard, but I got to agree. They need Christ more than they need to feel comfortable. I'm not talking about being nasty and mean. I don't go in there and take a wrecking ball and destroy homes and families and lives. I don't try to particularly point out certain things that would just put a knife in the back of everyone that's listening. That's not how I function. That's not how I operate. But I'm going to tell you something. They need to know the truth that there is still only one way to heaven and it is not being a good person. Every summer, Johnny would visit his grandparents on the farm and They'd send him a little ticket, you know, just a ticket every year. He would get that ticket, and he'd get all excited about going and seeing Grandma and Grandpa. And that little ticket was for the train station and the train that was just a mile or so from his house. And so Johnny was running late that morning, uh, the morning he was supposed to catch the train. And so he began to run to the station. And, uh, and as he was running, his little heart started pounding, and he was getting exhausted. He was just uh, he was excited, but he was also just wore out trying to get there on time. And as he entered the station, he, he just thought his little heart was going to explode. I mean, he had been pushing it, just afraid, scared to death. He wouldn't get a chance to get on that train, and he had missed the opportunity to see his grandma and grandpa that day. And he heard the conductor's whistle as he was coming around the corner, and he knew he had to hurry. He didn't have much time left, and he ran, and he ran, and he ran, and he turned the corner, and he saw the train, and he thought, I made it, I made it. But at that very moment, the conductor stepped onto the train, and that train started moving down the tracks. He ran as fast as he could. I mean, he ran as fast as he could, but it didn't matter. He couldn't run fast enough to catch that train. He kind of slumped down. He just was like, you kidding me? And he dropped all his luggage and he, you've got to be kidding me. If only I could have run faster. If only I could run faster. I could have caught the train. But that wasn't it at all. It wasn't that he wasn't fast enough, but rather that he didn't start soon enough. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, don't wait to start your journey later. Start it sooner. And by the way, it's not a hard journey. It's so easy that many miss it. But don't think that you're going to have time to say a prayer or get things right with God because your life is but a vapor. And like everyone that I do funerals for that thought they would live longer, you may not. And you'll be left out in the cold, so to speak, until you take your first step into hell forever. What direction will you travel in 2023? Will it be to heaven or will it be to hell? Well, we've got to make some tough choices in our lives. And we have to begin by asking ourselves a question today. What direction will we travel? If you truly know Christ as your Savior... I wonder today, will you travel in a direction that leads closer to Christ or further away? If 
you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you don't know for sure heaven's your home, then you better ask yourself, are you going to travel in a direction that leads to heaven or hell? Which will it be? That's a choice you make. And can I tell you, it's so simple that all you need to do is recognize what Christ did for you on the cross as payment for your sin. That he didn't come and die in vain. He died for you. And he paid for your sin. And if you'll just ask him to forgive you, save you, and you'll say, I believe you're the only way that I can get to heaven. I can't get there being good enough. I have to have you and what you did for me. You're the only way, the truth, and the life, Lord. You know what he'll do? He'll gladly receive you unto himself, that where he is, there you'll be also. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd help us today as we ask the simple question, what direction will we travel in 2023? Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd just bless us and help us. We know, Lord, that the world in general is going a different path. It is the blind leading the blind. But, Lord, we have your word and we have your promises on things. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. We can know. We can know what we should be doing and how to do it. We can know what direction we're traveling, what, what way we're going. We, we can settle some things, Lord, because we have your word that's truth. Now, Father, today there may be a believer that wants to make a commitment saying, listen, this year I'm going to travel. I'm going to travel closer to Jesus. And I'm going to begin by making a commitment to him at an altar even. Lord, maybe there's someone that's lost even today that doesn't know for sure heaven's their home and they're saying, I don't want to be traveling away from God or into a place called hell. I want to be traveling toward heaven. And, and then do that, I've got to get closer to Jesus. I'm going to have to find out what he has to say and, and I need to do what he tells me to do and then I can settle that. And Lord, I pray they'd understand that they can settle that simply and easily if they'll just let your word and your promises speak to them. Now, Father, do this work in our lives. We need you today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.